Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. There's a, there's a story about a general by the name of Charles Gordon. I don't know if you ever heard of him uh, back, oof, back in the days. And during one of the British wars, uh, it was noted of an interaction that he was having with one of, his, uh, one of his officers. He had assigned this one officer a task. He said, go take this strong fortress. You know, and after a few days of this uh, officer fighting hard and uh, in this demanding conflict and, and this officer returned to the headquarter and he told his general, General Charles Gordon, he told him, I have taken this fortress that you've asked me to go take. And this general replied to him, okay, go take another. And this is one thing I've learned in this life is once sometimes we think we finally made it, we finally accomplished our goal, we finally reached whatever it is that we set our minds to and our desires to reach, we make it there and only to realize that there's just a lot more to go, right? And we've experienced this kind of almost throughout our whole life, even as kids, right? Or, or as young adults or, or older adults, right? We pursue things like a career or we pursue things like marriage or friendship. We pursue certain things and then once we finally get there, we get married, we have a career, we realize that things are just getting started. It's just so much more to go. Then all of a sudden we have, or we want a better position. We finally made it to that position we wanted, but all of a sudden we, we want more. We want a higher pay. Now we have a wife or a husband. Now we want kids. We finally went on vacation. Now we want another Maybe a little bit bigger. So we always constantly, once we make it to that goal, we, we realize it's just, there's just so much more to go. So just when we think we're done, there's more. And it seems like that's kind of like the cycle of life. We get somewhere and we got more. And we're constantly in that work, in that current cycle of going after whatever comes next. And by all means, I'm not saying that this is terrible, right? If we're done in the correct context, if it's not done in an obsessive way where we're constantly just seeking and never be satisfied where we are, uh, unless you're doing it in that context, it's not wrong to, you know, pursue a marriage, or pursue kids, pursue friendship, pursue a career. There's not, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But we often forget that there's one pursuit that should dominate our entire life. This is one pursuit that should be above any pursuit that we ever have. And that is our pursuit of knowing Christ and being more like Christ. And as we continue this letter in Philippians, I titled this sermon, Joy in Our Pursuit. Because Paul in this letter, in this part of the letter, he has something to say about this pursuit. 
So join me there in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12. Are we going to go all the way to the end? We're going to go little by little like we've been doing the last couple of months, the last couple of weeks. And I want to start with verse 12. Where it says, not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So to understand what he's talking about, to understand what Paul is talking about, we have to rewind a little bit, right? We have to go back uh, two weeks, right? Because last week, uh, Pastor Alex was preaching. So let's go back two weeks. And remember, prior to these verses that we read, Paul have, was talking about how he was born again, right? How he was born a certain, he was born and raised specific as a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? You know, he had everything. He knew the law. He was born into the right uh, family, into the right region, into the right country, into the right people. He knew all the things. He was a Hebrews of Hebrews. He was the perfect example of what he was to be a hero, uh, a Hebrew. But he's also spoke about how he was born again, and now he's a different man, and, and he's different man than who he was before. He talked about how those things he once thought were worth something now are not worth anything to him. And the only thing that's worth anything was Christ. Because of that, how he lives his life reflecting this change. He's living as a new man. Because of the change that he's had in his heart. God changed his heart, so therefore he's living as a new man. He's living differently than he was. He's living with a different purpose. And this purpose that he has in his life is Christ-centered purpose. So, because of this, it is commonly assumed that Paul was the greatest Christian to ever lived, right? And we talk about it all the time. We, we look at him, we look at his life. We see everything that he did. I mean, he look at it. He, most of the New Testament is written by Paul. Whenever we preach about the New Testament, most of the time it's about Paul because he's the majority of his writing. So we see Paul as a role model, a great Christ follower, somebody who we should look up to and be like. But because who Paul was, what he taught, and how he lived, you would think that he had achieved perfection. Uh, we look at Paul, sometimes it's easy to fall into that idea that Paul was the perfect Christian. And they probably looked at Paul the same way. Paul, man, Paul was the worst. He was killing Christians, but now he's like number one Christian. So, of course, it's easy to fall into that. Yet, he knows that though he has been born again, he's still spiritually poor. At least that's how he feels. He knows that even though I've, God has changed my life, even though I'm living with a new purpose, and you guys are looking at me like if I was the perfect Christian, I am not. That's what he was telling them. He sees himself how 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 we see babies, right? In the sense that some of us look at babies, right? Oh, it's so cute. Look at him. Oh, perfect. Oh, he's such a 
beautiful kid, right? And then some of us look at that kid and we say, that kid is far from perfect. Give it a few days. He's going to start crying. And then he's got a whole life ahead of him of him learning things, of knowing things. That baby is nowhere near perfect. And that's the same way that he sees himself. People may think that I'm all perfect and I'm all good and I got everything already sorted out, but I am far from it. And then Paul goes on to tell him something very important. Because he has been born again and the fact that he is not perfect or has reached where he needs to be doesn't mean that he's done. Just because he's, he's perfect, uh, sorry, just because he's been born again and not perfect doesn't mean, okay, that's it. Hey, I'm born again. We're done. Yeah. Hey, this is over, right? No, no, he's, he's, he's not telling them that. He's going to continue to press on because he's not perfect. Though he's been born again, though he hasn't made it to where he needs to be, he's going to press on. And press on means to run after or to flee after something. Press on talks about putting all your max effort into reaching that goal. That's what press on means. Press on, you're going to give it everything you have to get to that goal. We're, in the, we're, we're starting the whole Olympics uh, thing, right? Where, where now everybody's doing the trials to see who makes it, right? makes it into the Olympics. Everyone is running those races and, and doing all those events to make it, to qualify. So it's like a sprinter who is trying to qualify for the Olympics. He's going to do his race or her race and he's going to give it all they have because they want to make it. Their goal is to make it. So when they run, when they run, when they run that race, they're going to give it everything they have. Even if they pass out at the end, they're going to give it all they have so they can qualify. And that's what Paul means by that. He knows that at this point, he only has one option. Because who he is, though he's been born again and he hasn't yet been perfected, he only has one option. His option is. To continue to move forward. His option is to move forward to make it his own. And this it that he's talking about, right? Because he says, I want to make it my own. What is this it that he's talking about? And this it that he's talking about is knowing Christ more. He's talking about being more like Christ. He's talking about his pursuit to conform to the image of Christ. This it that he's talking about is to be fully mature and fully perfected in Christ. That's what he's going to press on. That's what he's pressing on to get, to obtain it, that. So Paul's saying, I'm going to continue to go forward, putting all my effort into being more like Christ. And here's the thing that we have to remember. The Paul's not doing this in order so that Christ may grab a hold of him. 
right? He's not saying, I'm going to do this so God can love me and therefore save me. I'm not doing this so he can extend his grace to me. He's doing this because Jesus has already made him his own. Jesus has already grabbed a hold of Paul. Stephen Austin, I like how he says, he says, the same way Christ got a hold of Paul for his salvation, Paul must get a hold of Christ for his sanctification. See, Christ went after Paul to save him, right? We, we, we read Acts when he talks about how Paul came to Christ, right? And it's amazing. It's amazing, the story. This man who's killing Christians, who's, whose ruling has everything that he ever wanted. He has power. He has everything. Christ came after him. So now Paul must go after Christ every day of his life. But then even in his pursuit to be more like Christ, he reminds them, verse 13 and verse 14, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul continues to use this same idea of a race, right? This is actually very familiar to them, right? Because we know that Olympics came from the Romans and this was kind of where all that started. So there was races, there was, you know, competitions going on in those times, right? So they're aware of these uh, competitions, these races. This is not a new concept to them. This is not a new concept for us. We've just inherited it from them. But he's trying to say that the start of the race is his conversion. The beginning of the race is where Paul came to Christ, where God changed his heart. And the finish line is when he will see Christ. The perfection, the final change, the final new body, new everything. Now you're perfect. But what happens in between the race, the, the, in, from the beginning to the end, that race in between, that's his sanctification. That's where the process of becoming more like Christ happens, in between that race. And he knows that he can't stop the race yet. He can't stop because of his shortcomings. He, he's not made it to the finish line because he still falls short. He still sins. So what Paul says that he must do, he says, this is what I must do. And I want you to know what Paul says, that he's going to do one thing, right? If you read it, it says one thing. And one thing only. And originally in Greek, original language, that's what it says. One thing. I'm going to do one thing. And I'm going to do one thing only. And that is to run and not look back. That's what he's saying. He's going to run and he's not going to look back. Now, he's not talking about looking back at the truth, right? He's saying, I'm going to ignore all the truth that I've learned from my walk with Christ and all the truth that 
you know, that I've learned from his word or from Jesus uh, revealing himself to me. Uh, he's not saying I'm not going to look at that. For he's not going to look back at his past failures, at his past sins, or even his past success. He's going to just focus on going forward. That's what his main focus is. Going forward. So Paul continues to give him what I like to call almost like a heads up and maybe a warning. He's going to give him a warning in verse 15. It says, let those of us who are mature to think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, there's many different point of views on how to understand what Paul is telling them here. But it basically has the same basic foundation depending on which way you want to look at it. As mature believers, we should think the same. If you consider yourself a believer, we should be thinking the same exact way. So how should we be thinking? We should be thinking that we have yet to have made it. The way they should be thinking is you have yet to accomplish what has been called for you to accomplish, which is perfection, to be more like Christ. You have yet to bid there. That's how we should be thinking. See, those men have not yet gotten to the point where they need to stop running. We can't be thinking, let go and let God. We can't be, let's just sit back. That's what he's telling them. And Paul says, if you do, this is what he's telling them. If you do, he's talking, remember, he's talking to the believers, right? If you're mature, think this way. Your believer, think this way. You must think that way. You must understand that you're not perfect. You must understand you got a lot of work to do. You must understand you, you still got a long way to go. Work hard. Give it all you got, right? That's what he's telling them. But if you're not thinking this way, God will make sure to correct you. That's what he's saying. He said, if you're not thinking this way, if you're not being mature in this thinking, God is going to correct your thinking. Because, of course, your son and daughters are God. He loves you enough to change the way that you're thinking. So he's going to do something about it. God is going to discipline you. And he's going to get you back on the right track where you've been, you know, straying away from. Because he loves you. You're saved. He's, he loves you enough to do that. Remember, he's going to do whatever it takes for you to be saved. For your own good. And Paul's telling them that they all need to live by the same truth, the same teaching that he's bringing. Everyone needs to be in mature mind living by those truths. And of course, what truth is he talking about? At this point right here, he's talking about you're not perfect. You still got a lot of work. Continue that work. And he's telling them because they need to be careful because there are teachers who were teaching that 
I made it. I am perfect. So if they so happen that to be struggling with knowing and understanding how to live this truth, Paul goes on to say to them, Brothers, in verse 17, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So Paul understands that they're all different. They can all be in different stages of their growth in Christ, right? None of them has finished the race, of course, even though none of them have. For some of them, the race is probably in different stages, right? Some are just starting the race. Some have, you know, been running the race for a while. But they all need someone who can disciple them. We all need someone who disciples us. And they all need someone to disciple them. So Paul tells them to do two things. First, imitate me. And this means mimic me. Mimic what I do. Mimic what I teach. Mimic how I live my life. Mimic what you see and what you hear from me. And let that become part of your life. Mimic me. Second, he says, keep your eyes on. Some different versions in the Bible will say, observe. Observe those. Which means focus your undivided attention. Absorb or focus on those who, like Paul, are living for Christ. They're living the truth. Look at those people who are just like Paul or living the way they're supposed to be living. This means that they're going to need to be around those who live and teach the truth. So they need to find those who do so. Because it's like it says in verse 19, uh, 18 and 19, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and, their and they glory in their shame with mindsets on earthly things. Seeing that there are people who walk among you who are enemies of the cross. They're just living for themselves. And they're going to say and they're going to do whatever it takes for them to satisfy that self-desire they have in themselves. And their sole focus is on their earthly gains. And they're going to be used in order for them to get that what they want. You as believers and me as, for example, false teacher, I'm going to use you for my gain. We all know that how it plays out. We talked about that way too many times. It's very clear. We see it on TV all the time. Instead of you don't need to be living like this because there is nothing for us to gain in this world. So Paul continues in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body 
to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And this is the price of the race. This is what they're pressing on for. This is the perfection right here. This is their gain. This is what it's all about. The final transformation of our glorious bodies given to us by Christ through His power and live eternally with Him. That is what they're running forward to. What they're pressing on to. Now we have to meditate deeply on, on what Paul is saying here. And it kind of should make you wonder, am I running the race? Am I even, have I even started this race? And if I have, am I even running the right race? So here's a few things that we have to make sure we're doing. First, you need to press on. You yourself need to press on. I can't press on for you. You have to press on. And sadly, it's, it's common for many Christians and, and Christians leaders to develop the attitude that they have already attained it. Right? So many of those walk around with a chest, yes, I am good. Look at me, I am so awesome. And maybe some may not even tell you. Maybe won't use their words. But they put forth the image of constant triumph that gives the idea that they have already attained and they have already been perfected. They walk around acting like if they have it. They might not come up here and say, guys, look at me. Look at my life. Imitate me because I'm perfect. No, but they sure act like it. No one has yet attained perfection. No one. And I know there's a culture in church nowadays where, where we have, uh, you know, where we lift pastors to celebrity status. Right? And we look at pastors and leaders as perfect. But we're not. I'm not. None of you are. There's no leader in this church or any church, for that matter, that is perfect. But just because we're not, and just because we're not going to be while we run this race, doesn't mean we stop running the race. Doesn't mean that, okay, I am saved, so now I cruise until Jesus comes. I was talking to my uh, father-in-law yesterday. He was telling me about a story of a pastor who was uh, preaching that, hey, Guys, stop. Jesus is not coming back. He already came. Stop trying to just wait until Jesus is coming back. No, go. Go do something. Get a career. Get a job. Go. Don't worry about it. Jesus already came. Live your life. Why? Because he was taught in his, as he was growing up that you need to put everything away. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry. Just Jesus is coming. Don't do nothing. Don't worry about it. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming to do nothing. Don't find a job. Don't go to work. Don't, don't, don't worry. Jesus is coming. No. We are to do stuff. You have to work. 
You have to press on. Here's what Romans 8.29 says. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be confronted to the image of his son. Our work is to know Christ and be more like Christ. That's what we will be working. Work. Matthew 10.25. It is enough for the disciples. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher. Who's our teacher? Christ. So if Christ is our teacher, we should be aiming to be like Christ. We have to be more like the one who has a hold of us. And yes, the work of our salvation is not on you. You don't save yourself. Christ's work what saves you. He alone changes your heart and your desire. But the work of your sanctification is the work of you and God together. You got to work with God. You got to go with God. Not just stand there and do nothing. You have a role to play in your sanctification. So how do we do that? Let me give you a few ways. You're going to remember this when we just talked about it. Work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Do something. Pray without ceasing. Discipline yourself for godliness. And here's some practical things you're probably tired of hearing me say, right? Go to Bible study. Read the Bible. Worship at home. Worship here. Come to church. You know, I'm tired of seeing everyone stay online. No, enough with that online stuff. Come to church. Someone once told me church doesn't save you. I go, yeah, but man, it sure helps. You know, it sure helps get you there, right? It sure helps you stay focused. It sure helps you with your walk. Yeah, that's not what's going to save you, but man, where else are you going to do your work? And with the church. So press on. Don't look back. Don't lose your focus. I mean, have you seen what happens when a runner is giving it all he's got or she's got and they look back? They start to slow down. There's no runner that can give it all they have and then be like, I'm giving it all my half. But let me look back. They can't. It's not possible. They can't see what's ahead. What happens, they start straying away. Because they don't know where they're going. They're looking back. They start to slow down. Remember what happened to Lot's wife? She looked back. What happened to her? She turned into salt. You don't even look back even at your success. Because sometimes we stay so focused that we look at our success and that was kind of hinders us. We're so focusing on how good we did. That we forget where we're going. You need to focus. You need to set your eyes and your energy on the finish line. Second thing, you need to remember the truth. It's very easy for a believer to be led astray. It's easy for us to believe anything that sounds really good. There's a lot of good speakers on that pulpit nowadays. The best, almost. 
So rather than getting closer and closer and more like Christ, we are further and less like him because we're listening to all these false teachings. And let me tell you, it doesn't just happen in the blink of an eye. We don't stray away just like that. One day you wake up and you realize, I strayed away. I was good yesterday and today I'm not. It happens little by little. You don't even notice it. Little by little, you start allowing those things come into your life. And little by little, you start moving away. Next thing you notice, you're way off the line. But we must all stick to the truth and live it. Because trust me, if God has you in his hands, he's going to do whatever it takes for you to get back on that, on that right track. Even if it takes you losing everything you have, everything you loved is going to go away. Even if that's what it takes, that's what he's going to do to put you back. So that means we must find the right people to influence our lives. We must find a church that preaches the truth. And let me tell you, to me, these two things are one of the most important things. One of the most important decisions you're ever going to make in your life is what church you're going to go to and who's going to let you influence you. It's so important to me. You, to me, it's so important that I'm willing to give up my job and move just to find the correct church and the correct people. That's the most important decision you're going to make in your life is who you're around with. Who's going to influence your life? Who's going to teach you? Even if you don't have any real friends and all you have is church friends, which to me those are real friends, but, you know, ah, that's just, just people you go to church. No, to me those are my friends, but hey, even if that's all you have left, I hear a lot of, oh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have a good church around my area. I was listening to the radio. They were talking about uh, a guy who was trying to figure out how he can give his tithe. Oh, I don't have any good churches in my area, so I don't know who to give my tithe to. So why are you living there? Go. Find a good area with a good church. Get a car. Go drive an hour if you have to. Some people in other countries drive hours upon hours or walk hours upon hours to get to a good church. What do you mean you're just sitting there and, oh, no, I don't, go. We all need someone we can emulate. And it's not because these are perfect people, but because just like Paul, Christ is in them. We need someone who has Christ in them that we can emulate. And unfortunately, we can't do that online. So I'm sorry. We can't do that via Facebook Live. You can't see anyone. We need some people to be around us. We need a church where we can be connected. We need to find people that we can walk along with. And most important, we need to be discerning because some of those people can actually be stray dogs who are trying to stray you away. Lastly, you need to be living based on your true citizenship. 
We're not of this world. So we don't live for the things of this world. And we don't live for anything that this world has to offer. We need to leave everything behind and press on because we are citizens of heaven. We're citizens of a place that is not of this world. And we have been given a promise that the one who endures to the end will be saved. And we have a promise that a Savior will come from this world to give us an everlasting and glorious body to live eternally. And this is going to be a radical transformation. It's a type of transformation that's almost unrecognizable. It's almost like you look at me now in my glorious body and be like, who's that? It's almost like that. We know that we can, we'll be able to recognize each other, but it's almost like that. It's a radical change. So that's what we got to press on for, that radical change. And I don't know if you realize, but God could have uh, and had all the rights to just tell us, hey, give up, bro. Forget about it. You're not going to meet it. We can't. We're not going to ever meet that. You're broken. You're, you're broken without repair. Just let it go. Let it go. You have sinned so much and you have broken every law. You're already dead. Forget about it. You're going to get exactly what you deserve, so don't even worry. But instead, he, he gets a hold of you. He changes who you are. Uh, and then in his power... He changes you and then he tells you to press on. He doesn't tell you to just give up. He doesn't tell you to just let it be. He tells you, press on. Continue to look forward. Continue to go forward because he loves you so much that he got a hold of you. So now get a hold of him. And it's like Spurgeon said. We live because he lives. And never is our life more joyous than when we look more steadily to him. So church, pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Father, thank you for these words. Thank you for changing us, Father. Now we ask that you give us this desire and help us continue this race, Lord. Help us press on forward. Father, keeping our eyes on the ultimate price, which is you, Father which is to be more like you, Father, to spend eternity with you in that glorious, perfect body, Lord. Thank you for everything that you've done. Father, we continue to allow us to live this out and be an example and disciple, Lord, and help those who are in need, Father. Let us be the ones that people look up to. Allow us to find people to look up to. Father, thank you for everything you've done already. In your name we pray. Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect or listen to our library sermons, jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us. 
Again, we want to thank you for listening. And remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church. Thank you.